Welcome to episode 79 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy, and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we talk to Coach Jenny, the brilliant coach for people with impatient ambition. You have heard her name on the podcast before because I have worked with her, and boy, does she have good things to say. We are talking today about overthinking, overwhelm, and what keeps people making excuses instead of making progress. We discuss the difference between tools and systems and why working on things isn't enough anymore. Coach Jenny leads Liz through an exercise and talks about why giving yourself credit matters. And Coach Jenny details all the ways she talks about proof. And we detail the make it happen method and why it is a game changer for change makers. And bonus, it's available to you with the click of a button and a promo code. A heads up that I had some mic issues during this recording and had to switch between my mic, which gives great sound quality, and my computer, which gives less great sound quality. You can still hear the entire episode, but please accept my apology for the audio challenges. I'm Amanda Wagner, speaker, business strategist, and professional hype woman. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner Podcast is the place for ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who are tired of looking at others and saying, why are they doing that and I'm not, and are ready instead to claim their own spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and delights of being highly ambitious and how even though we're impatient and at times anxious, we can be intentional and make strategic decisions about how to get more of what we want in a noisy world. Coach Jenny, thank you so much for being here. You and I met in March of 2019 when I told you to take my money. Uh, what a great moment for me, let me just say. Can you tell us that story? I, of course, have shared how we met, but I would love to hear it from your perspective. Back in 2019 in Palm Springs, we were in a room together for a couple of minutes, and I said, take my money. Yeah, it was one of those weird moments where you get a speaking gig and it is so not what you expect it to be, right? So I got this speaking gig. I was very excited speaking at this Palm Springs Fancy Pants Conference for Women. And I mean, everybody's super fashionable. If you know me at all, not so fashionable. Um, and, you know, I'm hanging, though. I'm doing fine. And then I find out that my speaking gig, using air quotes there, includes a room it like I have to sit at a desk with one other person sitting at a desk for these quick one-on-one -on -one meetings in the yoga studio of a hotel space it was very weird and I was like I'm gonna make the most of this who's gonna show up to my surprise there were about 30 people that showed up including Amanda and one-on-one -on -one was just gonna be rude so I brought everybody in and we created this sort of mini workshop standing room only in the middle of a studio it was bizarre. Anyway, so I was sharing a little bit about, at that time, the book that I was promoting on Hilda and talking about this idea of even the most impatiently ambitious humans in the world want to make things happen and yet still find a way to get in their own way. And Amanda mm -hmm. said, yep, that would be me. Take my money. And it was such a moving moment. And we've been connected ever since. It was a magical moment for me because I also felt kind of out of place at this conference. It wasn't necessarily getting what I wanted and at the same time trying to kind of force myself into it. I drink the Kool-Aid pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who know me will not be surprised to know that if there is an opportunity for like audience participation or it's like, who wants to do this live coaching experience with it? Like my hand will go up. I will take whatever I can get. And I have no shame about others hearing what's happening for me. So I had the experience of kind of being coached live in that moment. And, and we've been connected ever since. Yeah, it was really exciting. And usually a speaking gig doesn't give you that, right? You have to stand on the stage and, you know, you could get some yays and raise your hands kind of thing. But in that moment, we really were doing a on the spot group coaching experience that was very similar to what I do. And it was really exciting because I instantly found my people within a conference where I felt like you, like a black sheep. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the ways that we connect is through talking about ambition. And big I time. talk a lot about this for, I use the words big ambition. Like my ambition doesn't fit in this room. It doesn't fit in this house. 
Can you kick us off by talking about what it means to have, in your words, impatient ambition? Yes. Um, And I love that your ambition doesn't fit in that room. Um, When I'm talking about impatient ambition, I'm talking about that I want to do some big things. And frankly, I already have done some big things. I've already made some magic, but I want way more. And I want it yesterday, if not sooner. Is that okay with everybody? Right? That feeling of, okay, I'm doing the things and things are starting to progress. Maybe even I've got some traction. Maybe I'm even making six figures. And yet I still want more. And that impatience part Part is really integral in my world because it's not just like one day, someday, I hope that I will. It's like, why am I still a best kept secret today? That's what I mean by impatient ambition. Based on that definition alone, I imagine that you see a lot of feisty people and a lot of people who finally feel like they can say, I have this big dream. I've wanted it forever. And now I can actually say it out loud. I think a lot of people feel a little bit of embarrassment that they're the most ambitious person they know. And I think Mm -hmm. the two of you, at least you have each other, but you probably know what that feels like (laughs) otherwise. Am I right? Absolutely. Being surrounded by other people who have unconventional ambitions and this kind of strange confidence that they don't know where it comes from and can be shaky at times, but this strange confidence in their confident moments that says, you know what, I deserve that and I can make that happen. I don't know how, and I sure as heck find a lot of ways of complicating it, make it as difficult as humanly possible to get there, thus to getting in your own way. But I know it's possible for me. If, if that's who you are, then you're my people. Right. So you talk about these confident moments where I've definitely felt this, where it's like, why, why am I able to speak with this confidence? Or other people will say, oh, how are you so confident? I'm like, I'm really good at faking it. (laughs) Even the most confident, ambitious person has moments of overthinking and overwhelm and procrastination and perfectionism. It seems to, if not one of those things, all of those things are plaguing many of us. In your experience, these people with impatient ambition are just not as productive as they want to be because these things are holding them back. Why do you think we're not as productive? Well, there's a laundry list of things, but the big one that I see, the the most pervasive one, is because we keep shopping for tools instead of finding a system. So let me explain what I mean by that. Tell me more. When we want to be productive, we start shopping for productivity tools. Do either of you have pretty planners that you've bought and given up on by thanks, by like uh, Valentine's Day? Oh, bust it. Liz doesn't give up on a planner. I love my planner. I don't give up on it because now I found the perfect one. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there was a, there was a time where it was a an ongoing process of trying it. It's not the one for me moving on to the next one for six weeks. That's not the one for me. It was a, it was a big trial and error phase for sure. For yes. sure. I have an entire like great, I have a Cadillac ranch of abandoned notebooks out there somewhere that I've started. And then I can't stick with the system or the month's pages don't match with the day pages. And I don't want the stupid little gratitude quote either. So where yes. I'm at is like, a notebook with blank squares that when I feel like it, I stamp the date into it, but I'm not guaranteed to be using it every day. And then I feel stupid pulling out a planner that I haven't touched for four months and flipping all those pages. So yes, we are, we are well-versed in the world of, of planners. Okay. Systems well, and tools. And, you, and you got a planner, curious. a planner is one tool. Another tool is project management software. I have done all of the saunas. I've done the Asana, the Sunsama, the ClickUp, the Notion, the all of the different system again, tools, because that's what they are. They're tools. They're not systems. And what I mean by a system is actually a process that you follow that goes into whatever tool you want. So Liz, you have a tool that makes your heart sing. How do we make sure you have a system for actually using that tool and successfully being more productive? I mean, the other reason that we're not so productive is we overwhelm ourselves with all of the things. 
Right now, you're probably sitting and trying to pay attention to this conversation while you're listening to us and thinking about six other things that you need to be doing and that three other things that you wish you had finished last week. Like that's the constant feeling of impatient ambition. And so without a system of managing all of that overwhelm, all the tools in the world get you nowhere. And I have filled out some pretty planners. I have developed some planners of my own, like you said, Amanda, with, you know, writing in my notebook and making it really pretty and using the dot grid and busting out a ruler and fancy colors and even some stickers. But all of that is just prettiness. It's not actually productivity where I feel like not just getting stuff done, but I'm actually doing more in the world of what I want to do. So if we are to think about this as a hierarchy, is the system the umbrella that a tool fits under? Yeah, the tool is a place to capture a place to monitor your system. That's how I like to think of it. A system is like my make it happen method that you so graciously introed earlier is a system. It's a process for mm. making sure that you're crossing finish lines and doing things that I'm sure we'll talk more about, but it's not a tool. A tool is where you capture that. So I like to use a couple of different tools to capture my process, my system, making sure that I know what I need to be doing. My system includes all of my priorities. It doesn't include a box for the gratitude journal of the day, right? That's a tool, not a system. Right. So in developing a system, the idea is that there is a level of consistency a system creates this consistency. I know what I'm doing. I can go back to it. And it sounds like you're trying to eliminate all of our abandoned notebooks and, and the tools that we tried the free trial of for seven days and then got rid of because they were too complicated or didn't work for what we needed. Is that right? That's Yes, because I believe you need a repeatable system that you can follow. For me, what works best is each week. I'm a weekly kind of thinker. So a repeatable weekly system that helps me decide where to put my time and energy. And then I can mm -hmm. capture that in whatever tool makes it easier. But very often what we do instead is we shop for tools and try to fit our lives into it instead of adopting a system that makes sense for us that is reasonable and takes into account everything else we have going on in our lives and allows us to be successful. I feel like a lot of impatiently ambitious people also kind of want to be impressive. Anybody here want oh, to be impressive? Oh, absolutely we do. Yes, yes. So because hello. we want gold stars. <laughs> absolutely. But I want you to actually feel productive and successful, not have an impressive number of things on your task list to check off, but actually feel like, you know what, That's I'm doing the significant work that's really moving the needle towards what I want to make happen in the world. And that's what I mean about productivity. It's not this easy, cute button of I get a lot of shit done. That's not what we're looking for. Hmm. This is hard for me to wrap my head around because I think most of what we see by every productivity expert, every tool, every app, every system on the internet that is claiming to have the ultimate prioritization process, there are so many and you have to learn the tool and that's so intensive before you even understand what it's doing. So you have to learn a brand new process before you can actually use it. And then that becomes one more thing on your to-do list, which in my experience, that's where I abandon it. There is a reason that I haven't set up an online scheduler because I'm like, oh, it's going to take time for me to learn this and sync it with my calendar and move my paper calendar to digital, all this stuff. And then we get held back by the system itself. So we can't move the needle on what matters. Now, I have the advantage here that I have been privy to the magic of your strategy and the make it happen method. Can Are you open to sharing your simple and effective strategy? Bottom line, it helps me prioritize my tasks, helps me look at the projects that matter. And I am so confident that you have simplified this, that our listeners can make meaningful progress today. Thank you for that. And yes, I've got you because, and a lot of people will, bristle at this. I want to just warn you that you're going to think it's too simple and there's something wrong with me and I'm not making it hard enough and I'm not giving you your Gary V hustle points or whatever the hell because I'm about to say what I'm about to say. To prioritize 
based on something. All of the gurus out there have these fancy, complicated ways that we prioritize ourselves or that they recommend you prioritize all of the tasks and projects that you're doing. And they prioritize them based on all kinds of different values. If you actually want to be more productive, I only want you to choose one prioritization metric. When are you going to actually do it? That's it. When are you going to actually do it? Please underscore and highlight and circle the word actually. When are you actually going to do it? Are you going to do it in the week ahead? If not, are you going to do it in the next two or three weeks immediately after that? If not, are you going to do it sometime after that? It doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. When we just make the commitment that this is when we're actually going to do that thing, it shifts from, you know what, that's something that I think is a higher priority than this other thing. And now I'm comparing it to all of these other things. And I have this huge matrix and this pretty little diagram and this weird mind map of hell. You take all that stuff away and strip it away. What actually starts to happen is you start making commitments and following through on them. Because the confidence doesn't come from the pretty little planner. The confidence comes from after you've taken that action. So if you take nothing from this conversation and just that one tidbit and say, you know what, I'm going to from, for the next week, I'm going to experiment with this and I'm only going to prioritize based on when I'm actually going to accomplish that thing, when I'm actually going to take the time to do it. Watch what happens. It'll blow your mind. Jenny, you've been known to ruffle some feathers in your past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have. And I have seen you in group coaching calls, in a mastermind, and I've heard you ask the question, which comes first, confidence or action? And I imagine that there are some people who continue to dig their heels into the ground and say that confidence has to come first. Can you debunk that or, or give the people who are sitting on the sidelines saying, I'll do this when I'm confident. Can you help us suss that out so we can just say it's bullshit and get down to the work? I so appreciate you asking me to share this because yes, there's not a opinion here. It's a truth. Action comes before confidence. Imagine you decide you want to become an ice skater. Okay. You cannot learn your way and suck on info crack and watch a whole bunch of YouTube videos into becoming a confident ice skater. It's impossible. You can watch all of the tutorials in the world. You can talk to, I don't, I'm, I was going to try to name some ice skaters, but I can't think of any. You could, you could go and like watch a bunch of hockey games. You could do all of that stuff. But at some point you have to strap on some freaking ice skates waddle onto the ice and fall down over and over and over again. What I like to say in a shorthand way is sometimes you have to eat some ice before you get even remotely competent at it. Then once you get competent at it, you might, you know, try to go a little bit faster because you think you'll be able to keep most of your teeth. And then eventually you gain confidence. You can't get confident beforehand. And yet that's a silly example, but think about how many times we think we're going to get confident before we do something. I'm going to get confident before I ask this person out. That's not a thing right? You get more confident as you ask more people out. I'm going to get confident before I ask for that TED talk. Okay. Maybe you'll get confident after you've done a couple TED talks or after you've rehearsed that TED talk in front of a few live audiences. But tell me you're not going to be a little bit nervous and a little less confident at the beginning of standing on the big red dot than as you are at the end of standing on the big red dot. The truth is, and this is not a, this is good news. <laughs> this is really good news because we can now just say, you know what? I'm going to go eat some ice. I'm going to go out there and try. I'm going to go and experiment. I don't need to wait until I feel confident. We are wasting so much time and worse, so much potential because we're waiting until we feel like we are blessed with the confidence to try something. What you have to do is be brave first. That's different than confidence. We have to be brave first and do it a little bit scared. Make a few mistakes, eat some ice, and then we'll learn how to fly. I'm going to keep going here. So we've got confidence doesn't come before action. Action comes first. Now you said you don't have to be confident. You have to be brave. What's the difference between being brave and being confident? 
being brave means I'm doing it even though I have butterflies in my stomach. I'm just going to work really hard to get those butterflies to fly in formation and get up there and do it anyway. Being brave means I'm doing it even though I'm a little scared, maybe even a little terrified. Being confident means I'm no longer scared. I get up there with the greatest of ease. I'm ready to go. I'm an Olympic skater. Being confident is something that you earn when you pay attention to how far you've come. And that's a really key point that I want to make clear. You don't have to wait to find your confidence. You've already earned a ton of, a ton of confidence. The issue is you probably haven't recognized or noticed how much confidence you've already earned. And that's where a lot of my work comes into. Yes. This, so Jenny, you are, you're the proof queen. So Indeed. in, in our coaching together, I have gone through this proof exercise over and over again. And there are times where I will go to start and be like, oh, she's going to make me say something that I'm proud of and give myself some credit. I'm going to be annoyed by it. But after this four step process, I'm always like, yeah, girl. All right. I got this. I'm walking a little taller. Can you lead Liz? Can I put you up here? Can you lead Liz through this? Because I don't think she's ever done it before. Let's do it. Yay. I love it. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm just going to watch the magic happen. Talk to us about the proof exercise and then Liz have some fun. You're going to you're going to feel six feet tall after this. I love it. So the proof exercise, the idea of it is it's proof of your brilliance. It's proof of something that mattered to you, something you did, something you survived, something you decided as a piece of credit that you're going to turn into a piece of proof that you already have this confidence. And it sounds kind of cheesy as I'm saying that because, you know, I'm a coach and coaches are kind of cheesy, but I promise you it's really profound. So many of us are always looking at Instagram, hoping that we can find some affirmation that's going to change our life, but you're going to write a proof statement that's going to be so much more powerful than any affirmation you have on a sticky note. So Liz, I really appreciate that you're going to go through this with me. I'm going to explain the steps and then walk you through it just so that you know what you're getting into. Is that fair? Okay, so there's four steps, and I'm going to go through this very quickly and give you an example. The first step is you're going to give yourself a piece of credit, something you want to give yourself credit for, preferably something recent. Second step, you're going to say, we call it, Hilda says so what? If you don't know who Hilda is, Hilda's that name of the back of your head who tells you you suck, your inner critic. I call her Hilda because why not? And as, as soon as we give ourselves credit, she pipes in and puts it down. So we want to go ahead and quote her so we know what she's saying takes the wind out of her sails. Step three is you're going to say, here's why it matters to me. Here's why that piece of credit matters to me. It might not matter to another soul on the planet, but here's why it matters to me. And step four, you're going to bottom line it. And when you bottom line it, I have two different prompts that you can choose from. I am now the kind of person who, or I'm no longer the kind of person who. I want to be clear. That's not negative or positive. It means I'm moving toward this or I'm moving away from this. I'm now the kind of person who I'm no longer the kind of person who. So quick example, I have a client named Monique. Once upon a time, Monique said, I, you know, I said, step one, give me some credit. And she said, I sold three of a thing. Woohoo. Right? Like you feel that everybody feels that. Oh, it's amazing. Step two, Hilda says, so what? I wanted to sell 10, right? Been you there, Monique. It? Hello. Been there, girl. Yes, exactly. Right. So you can't celebrate that three. I have to cut you down to remind you you had a bigger goal. So I pushed Monique, but why does it matter to you that you sold three? Well, this time was different in the past. If I sold three, I would have given up. I would have refunded their money. I would have tucked my tail between my legs and gotten a day job. I would have quit. But this time I decided those three people were going to have the greatest experience ever. And I just decided I'm going to push through and make this great. So then I asked her step four, bottom line it for me. I am now the kind of person who, or I'm no longer the kind of person who with a little bit of thought. And she took some time to wordsmith this. She said, I am no longer the kind of person who is derailed by disappointment. I'm no longer the kind of person who is derailed by disappointment. I got goosebumps. I've heard this example before and I still get goosebumps of like, that's, life stuff that has nothing to do with selling three of something or a million of something. It is, this is who I am, right? This is how I roll now. 
I've mm-hmm. and it's not a decision that I picked because I saw it on a Pinterest board. It's a decision based on something I did, a, a, something I survived, something I chose, and now I'm choosing to live that way. Liz, did I give you enough time to get coached? I think I've got some ideas. Yes. Okay, so let's walk through it. Give me one example of a way, uh, a piece of credit you would like to give yourself. Um, after putting it off for years, this week I finally started writing blog posts for my own website as opposed to for others. Congratulations. Whoa! I didn't I, know this. I just started it today. <laughs> Hell okay. yeah, Liz. So I love the fact that this is kind of a secret that Amanda didn't even know and that you're giving yourself credit for that and that you started today. I know this doesn't always happen, but 99% of the time our inner critic is like lifting her leg and peeing all over this wonderful mess and she wants to bring you down a notch. It's baked into the process, so why not just say it like it is? So what does your inner critic, your Hilda, have to say about the fact that you started your blog? The inner voice says, why is this a big deal? You write blog posts for others all of the time. Why does it feel special to be doing this now? I really appreciate your vulnerability in saying that on your own podcast. I totally, that's a big deal. Because it, but it's really important because so many of us, we trivialize, our inner critic trivializes our experiences. And this is why when people say, oh, you know, give yourself a piece of credit. And that actually happens on the inside and we don't deal with it. We don't take it to step three and four. That piece of credit doesn't actually turn into proof, right? That piece of credit is like wah, wah, very quickly. So Hilda's wrong. We know she's wrong. But you know what? You write for other people. Why is it a big whoop? So tell us, why does this matter to you, Liz, that you started writing and blogging for you on your own website? Why is that important to you? Because I'm prioritizing time for my own business. I rarely take time to work on my own content. 99% of my time goes to other people's content, which I love doing, but I never leave time for me. So it feels significant because I finally carved out the space to do that. I'm going to dig in one more layer. Why is it important that you are prioritizing you and your words and your ideas and your thoughts? Because they're good. Say more. My ideas are valuable and people can learn from them and I deserve to be able to share them with others. So is, is it fair to say that what you have to say is really important? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Okay, so bottom line it for me. I am now the kind of person who, or I'm no longer the kind of person who? I am now the kind of person who prioritizes working on my own content. So if you can't see her face because you're listening to this on a podcast, your face just kind of lit up a little bit. How does it feel to say that out loud? It just feels so nice to finally have pushed my own bullshit out of the way and been like, just write the effing blog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels nice to, to kind of have uh, recognized that and know that I will continue to do it because of how it feels writing the first couple. Can you say your bottom line one more time? I am now the kind of person who prioritizes writing my own content. What has to happen to make that true next week? I have to leave space for it. Time-wise and like we talked about on the last episode, um, mentally, have to leave capacity for it. And does that statement feel like a commitment, like something you can commit to, that I am now that person? That's how I roll now. Yeah, I think so. That makes it a piece of proof. A piece of proof that this is who you are, this is what you're capable of. And do you feel that little bit of confidence boost of like, okay, I wrote one blog post, big whoop, goes to wait. I am somebody who prioritizes my time and energy to share my thought leadership with the world. Absolutely, yeah kind of warm and fuzzy inside <laughs> then I, i'll Yay. take it <laughs> no that's great i love it this is a great exercise i'm so glad and one of the reasons that this is so integral and it is my signature process that amanda's been like she's probably done a hundred of these in front of me i don't even know how many she's done when i wasn't around but i put her through this exercise over and over again because it is so much more powerful than we were picking on earlier the gratitude exercise. Now, again, if you're a gratitude journaler, I'm not going to take it away from you. Don't worry. I'm not a monster. But gratitude typically, with the exception of your health, is about being grateful for things external to you, the things you have access to, the people in your life, stuff like that. But proof is actually an inside job. 
This is you actually feeling that level of confidence and gratitude for the things that you've done, the things that you've decided, the things you've survived, the uh, commitments you've made, the commitments you've uncommitted to, all of those different things. And so part of my Make It Happen method is making sure we do this every single week so that we remind ourselves that we don't have to eat that much ice if we don't want to. Look at how far we've already come. So Amanda and Liz, thank you so much for letting me share that. That's my favorite thing in the world. If I, I want so much. My big ambition is for everybody to set down their gratitude journals and start doing proofs. There's something that happens in doing this in a group as well, when you hear other people's pieces of proof. And if you hear them week after week, and I, I'm the type of coach who doesn't let people go, oh, I have nothing. And I know you're very similar with that. It's like, oh, I have nothing to be proud of. I have nothing that I'm giving myself credit for. And part of it is like, these just aren't our people. Uh, if, if there's resistance to it. But it tells me that these people are waiting for confidence. They're waiting for confidence so that they can make it. Now, part of the magic of the proof exercise is that it's actually baked into the make it happen method. Can you tell me about a little bit more everybody who's listening to this you can buy the make it happen method jenny shamelessly (laughs) sell this tell us what it's about because i again i know it works i use it i have seen it work tell us about the process thank you so much so the make it happen method at its heart is a weekly productivity system that te- that walks you through step by step a way to prioritize all the tasks and projects that you want to make happen in a way that you will actually do it. And part of that is making sure that you are capturing and cataloging and noticing and acknowledging all the confidence you're earning along the way. So step two, spoiler alert, step two of the make it happen method is to do a proof. And Mm -hmm. the make it happen method has kind of two parts to it. The make it happen method itself, which is a self-guided course, it'll walk you through everything. Uh, My wife and I are very proud of the fact it's the first thing that we put together, together into the world. Everything for the first 16 years of my business was a Coach Jenny production, but this is really a melding of both of our our brains and our, our strengths. And so the make it happen method is even delivered in that way. So if you're like me and you enjoy videos and listening to the sound of my voice that sounded weird, but whatever, then there's videos. But if you're like Meredith and you're like, I'm never going to press play on a video. Let me read it. We have a full PDF where you can read the whole darn thing. Amanda's raising her hand on that. Yeah. Let me just read it. I don't want to listen to you. I've heard it enough. Um, but the make it happen method walks you through this step and basically in under an hour, in fact, with a little bit of practice in under half an hour, every single week, you will not only be prioritized with what you know you want to do this week. But more importantly, you'll know where you're going and you'll be able to see how far you've come and you'll feel successful. Maybe not impressive, but successful. Imagine if you wrote a task list for the week ahead and actually crossed off all of it. That probably sounds insane because it's rare. And that's what the make it happen method does. The other part of it is like Amanda said a little earlier, One of the things that uh, is really a big part of my work is that group interaction. Now, you're not required to do the group interaction on this. If you just want the make it happen method and you're like, I want to learn this system, I'm going to put it in a sauna, I'm going to put it in Notion, I'm going to put it in Liz's perfect notebook that she has found, her perfect planner, then you can just do it on your own. But if you're more like Amanda, where you really vibe off of the energy of other people, then the make it happen power hour is where I facilitate it every single Thursday afternoon. So you buy that and then you also opt for that subscription. So every Thursday afternoon, you can do the make it happen method with us and actually go through the steps and have that added level of accountability. In my experience, having the group do it meant that it gave me structure. It meant that I did it. It meant that I showed up on Thursday afternoon and I had all my ducks in a row and it it forced me to sit down for that half an hour and do the steps. After a while, I'm like, I don't know if the group is totally, but for me, but I always found the, the reboot. It's like, I went on vacation. I'm coming back to the group. I need to see this in action. Here's something that happens for me. And Liz, I want to hear your take on this first before we go to coach Jenny, which is 
I find myself guilty of saying, I'm working on this, I'm working on this, I'm working on it. Case in point, the, I mean, my giant piece of shame, I want to write a book, I'm working on a book, I want to write a book. It's been three freaking years. I have a bunch of random Google Docs. I have some different chapters written in Word and my notes app, but I don't have a book. Liz, do you have any of these? I'm working on it, but not actually producing something. The blog was was mine. Yeah. Uh, I had I had had it built on my website for a long time and just had it hidden uh, because there was no content on it. So that was mine for a really long time. So that, that was the that was the biggest one for me. We've also talked on this podcast before about when you're writing a task list or a to-do list instead of writing like work on thing it's like do x amount of something so that you I believe in data I come from a world of data (laughs) working with social media so that really resonates me with me and that's how I plan my work like I have my to-do list for tomorrow and it's full of numbers because I'm going to do a certain amount of of certain things Jenny, you have worked with people like us who want many things and want big things and sometimes fall victim to, I'm working on it. Fight me. (laughs) Tell Um, me why this doesn't work. Well, first of all, I am one of you. I'm one of the people who likes to work on things. Um, I'm currently hanging out at my in-laws and they're in Alabama. And so in the South, they call this fixing to. I'm fixing to do something, right? I'm working on it. I'm, I'm going to get to it someday, perhaps, maybe if the sun shines and the stars align and all those things are nice. Basically, what we're doing when we're working on things is we're keeping everything with that, you know, get out of jail free card in our back pocket. We're keeping everything tentative and we're not actually committing to following through. Liz, I love how you talked about having data points and that absolutely works for the more analytical minds. I'm not terribly analytical myself. Math is hard. I was a history major. I can't. But um, for me, the I want to take working on out of our vocabulary. Stop working on whatever you're working on. And instead, what I want you to do is cross finish lines. Cross finish lines. Now, those finish lines, as Liz pointed out, isn't the finish line. I'm not saying, Amanda, I want you to go from working on your book to finishing your book. No, I want you to cross a finish line though this week. What is the finish line you can cross this week that you can really commit to? I'm actually going to put you on the spot. Amanda, what is a finish line you can put in place for the week ahead that you feel like you can actually accomplish? I have. So today is Monday. I'm traveling on Wednesday for 10 days. And I have a wonderful human being who is a publishing consultant who I worked with in the fall. And the one thing I can do is I can pick up that email and say, I'm back in. I'm working full time again. And this needs to get off the ground. Can we meet and make a plan? That's one thing I can do. That is a big thing too. Does that feel like making that, sending out that email, setting that appointment is moving the needle towards this book happening? It is because it's, it's creating some like accountability. I know she's not going to wag her finger at me for not doing it, but it's also, it feels really good. And yet it's not the hardest thing. It doesn't need to be. Because to me, it doesn't, exactly, it doesn't need to be. And this is something that I've talked about with with my clients and in speaking engagements as well. We have to do the next thing, not the hardest thing. The hardest thing would say, I'm going to write five brilliant chapters and send them to my book publishing consultant. No, I'm going to say, hey, I'm here. That I can do. And I can do it in the next 24 hours. I love it. Can you do it or will you do it? I will. Do you feel the difference? Oh, yes. It like it makes me mad at you, but uh, yes. It's okay. I'm okay with that. I'll send you another headshot for your dartboard and we'll just get it done. Okay. But yeah, and I, 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 I poke at you a little bit because that's that tentative language sneaking back in there, right? I can mm-hmm. do that. Okay. But if I don't, it's okay. Cause I just said I could. 
And that's right. what I'm talking about with the finish lines. This is a significant finish line. Is it the hardest finish line? No. Does it need to be? No, because we're not prioritizing. Remember we said this earlier. We're not prioritizing based on some other value of how hard it was, how impressive it was, how much it was. I did five chapters and all the big quantities. That kind of prioritization sets us up to fail. And yeah. maybe get you Gary V points, but we're not looking for Gary V points. We're looking to feel successful, not impressive. Right. So we prioritize on a... when you're going to do it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find myself getting very distracted by this idea of I have to write 10,000 words. I have to write five chapters that data is different because I know Liz is very data driven. Data is different than quantifying. I must write X number of this. I must have this many podcast episodes as opposed to let me, it, it feels quality over quantity. I want to do the right thing that actually moves the needle instead of the impressive thing that I'm, I'm really taking that away. Even though I know you and I know we've had these conversations. It's like, I do, I love being impressive, but if I have to pick between successful and impressive, I'm taking successful. Absolutely. And I think that's where we accidentally get stuck. We make it so hard and complicated that we can now procrastinate. Well, I'm traveling mm -hmm. for 10 days, so I can't possibly be expected to write five chapters. And since five chapters is the only thing on the table, then I'm not going to do anything. Versus you pushing yourself and saying, you know what? I'm actually going to get back in the game. I'm going to send this email. And that is mm -hmm. crossing a finish line. And frankly, it's more of a commencement line because it's also crossing a starting line at the same time, which are my favorite kind of lines to cross. Well, mm -hmm. that and pissing people off like you talked about earlier. But yeah. that right there is really key. I want you to feel successful. That's why in the Make It Happen method, we're prioritizing based on when you're going to actually do it. That's mm -hmm. it. Do you see how powerful that is? Mm -hmm. Now, one place, the, the interesting thing about having you on the podcast, again, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're here, is that I, I go into client mode where I'm like, I'm being coached, I'm making notes at the same time. One of the place, I'm, I'm getting some good free coaching here, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that came up when, when we worked together is I would say, but why am I like this? I go, why am I the type of person who gets stuck here? Why am I so, uh, why am I such a perfectionist? And mm -hmm. what you would always say to me, you would do a beautiful job of pulling me back and say, do we need to know why, or do we need to take this information and move on? Can you explain the difference? Yeah, uh, there is kind of twofold. One, the quick answer is because it matters to you. The reason that you're doing this, making it hard, being perfectionist, is because it matters to you. If it didn't matter, you wouldn't do those things. So I just want to say that because I'm not a monster. But two, mm -hmm. would you like to fall down the rabbit hole of analyzing why and where that came from anymore? Or would you like to cross the next finish line that moves you forward? I'm not saying all or nothing, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the therapy and the analysis and all of that, but that's not my job. My job is to make sure that you're crossing finish lines, moving the needle, and feeling like you're starting to do more in the world of what you want, and that you're exercising your big ambition, to use your words, Amanda. And that's mm -hmm. really what my role is about. So yeah, I, it's a delicate dance. The other thing that you and I have talked about at length, and, and I'm sharing this because we have it on a YouTube video, so I know it's not <laughs> private, yeah. um, is you may not ever change. You and I had a really great mm -hmm. conversation once about like, will I ever stop caring what everybody thinks? No. Yeah. Let's put down that battle. Why are we going to spend more energy trying to stop caring about what everybody thinks and instead mm -hmm. pick up a different battle of saying, you know what? I still care. I'm still uncomfortable, but I can still choose to be brave and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that there's a weakness in you that you have to solve. And that goes back to what we were talking about with confidence or action. Well, once I stop caring about what everybody else thinks, then I will ask for this opportunity right? Mm -hmm. But you're the don't, don't ask, don't get person, right? Like you teach mm -hmm. all of your clients to don't ask, don't get. Well, you're not going to be able to do that with confidence until you've done it. Right. And I also appreciate that there are things that are just better for therapy. I can yes. explore this in therapy. And I'm also here to move the needle in a big way. Absolutely. I'm not putting That's that down at all. And yeah. it's, it's outside of my skill, but also 
I think it's important to ask yourself, is that really the question? Would you mm -hmm. like to spend another coaching call asking why are you doing this? Or would you right. like to answer the question, what am I going to do about it? So I, I'm a stickler for results. And Jenny, what are the results that people who take on this system and who commit to finding the place and the time and committing to actually doing something? What are the results that people are getting? It's kind of shocking because the first result is they stop being so damn overwhelmed. Like that's the mm. first thing that happens. Everybody is overwhelmed because they're working on things all the time. They're working on things even when they're working on something, they're working on something else mentally. And when they take that away and they strip it down to, you know what? I'm committing to these things in these next 168 hours. And I want to also have a life and have a meal with loved ones and all of these things. And I've accounted for all of that. And that's the only thing I need to focus on what we call our now list. We're only focused on our now list for one week. In a week, we'll look at all the other stuff, but everything else is on hold for a week. It's captured. It's safe. It's sound. I promise we'll get to it. By doing that, the, the number one thing people say is I feel less overwhelmed. But number two, mm -hmm. I feel prioritized. And then number three, the most important one is I feel successful. And what's mm -hmm. really interesting is when you combine capturing all those pieces of proof, doing that credit exercise that we did with Liz a little bit ago, you capture those pieces of proof and you're like, hey, I'm no longer the kind of person who gets derailed by disappointment. I am now the kind of person who writes my own blog no matter what. I am now the kind of person who fill in the blank. And then you get on with planning your week ahead and you make sure that everything on that list is something that you were actually committed to doing in the next week. You start mm -hmm. magically prioritizing the stuff that really, really matters. Sure, you also prioritize pay your taxes and other stuff like that. But for the most part, what happens is people start seeing, you know what? I'm making sure that there's something on my now list that feels significant. Like say, reaching out to the person in the publishing world to remind her I'm writing a book. Mm -hmm. So the specifics mm -hmm. of, your, of your accomplishments are completely up to you. But what I right. don't want you to do is keep shopping for a tool that's going to somehow give you the right box to write in somewhere. I am now doing this thing. What I want you to do is learn how to not just make commitments to yourself for the week ahead, but actually cross those finish lines. That's yeah. what my method does. So Jenny, no questions asked people who are listening to this saying, I need it. I want it. How do I get it? Where do we find it? And how can our listeners score a deal? I love that about you. Thank you so much for being so generous with the promotion. So I would love for everybody who wants to do more in this world to take advantage of the method. So you go to coachjenny.com. It's J-E-N-N-I-E.com. You'll find all the information you need there. The direct link is coachjenny.com forward slash method. And you can purchase the method itself. And if you would like to also be a part of doing it with us on Thursday afternoons, you can add the order bump of the Make It Happen Power Hour, where I will facilitate it live every single Thursday and hold you accountable every step of the way. So that's all you need to do. If you would like to score a deal as a thank you for, I mean, I've known Liz for a long time, even though this is the first time we've gotten to really talk to each other, but a thank you to Amanda, of course, for being a longtime client and, you know, one of my absolute favorites, of course, uh, everybody gets a promo, the promo code, a W podcast will get you 15% off the cost of the method. This is absolutely fantastic. I know the method. I use the method. I love the method. So uh, proof is here. Now, Jenny, as much as you are about proof, I am about celebrating. So I would love to know from you, you and your wife did a big thing. <laughs> you took a risk and I would love for you to have an opportunity to celebrate that with our listeners. Tell us where your big ambition took you to make this big life change. Thank you so much. You know, we... My wife is amazing. She's worked in education for 20 years as a, a elementary school special education teacher and then as an assistant principal. And uh, during the pandemic, like everybody else, she was going through that 
what do I want to be when I grow up? Because I don't know what I want, but I know it ain't this much longer, right? And my dream, it was always that one day I would make so much money that I would be able to retire her from education and we would work together. And we just decided, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? We're waiting for a certain number of dollars in our bank account. We're, we're ready. So we decided to change our lifestyle and we left our fabulous Los Angeles apartment and moved into an Airstream. And we are now living as full-time digital nomads in a fabulous Airstream going all over North America, completely independent, uh, location independent. And Meredith is my full-time CEO of Coach Jenny. It's the greatest thing ever. Outstanding. Now I have a feeling that you celebrate that every day. I've heard that the rumors are true that I forget, is it you or Meredith who brings the other one coffee in bed every morning? I bring her coffee in bed every morning. Right. That's what it is. So how do you celebrate taking this massive step in your life? You've retired your wife, you work together full time and you are completely nomadic. How are you celebrating? We are, I mean, we're celebrating in a big way. This year, we're, gosh, I'm going to sound like an old person right now, but I don't care. This year, we're celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary in May, wow. and we're also celebrating 25 years together because we've been together since college. We're those people. And so we're so freaking excited. We are celebrating in big ways with a cruise to Alaska and a fabulous trip up and down the West Coast of America in our fabulous Airstream. That's how we're celebrating. That is outstanding. Now, I'm not sure which was the part you were worried about making you sound old. If it was 20 years to 25 years part. Oh, see, and I thought it was the Alaskan cruise. (laughs) We're going with my father-in-law. So yeah, you you are. Yeah, you know, that's right. I also forget I'm talking to a Canadian. So Alaska probably doesn't seem that big a deal to you. But it's a big deal for people from over here, you know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you so much for being here to our listeners. If you find yourself making excuses and coming up with really clever ways to procrastinate instead of making progress, the make it happen method is for you. Go to coachjenny.com slash method, type in that promo code AW podcast and go make some magic happen. Jenny, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you for sharing your brilliance, your wisdom, doing some coaching here with Liz and I. Any final words for Liz and myself and our audience? I would just say, obviously, you have big ambitions, but finishing up life with big ambitions that were not realized is just not where we want to go. So Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that you've done everything you can to make the most out of your one spin on the big blue marble. And you don't do that overnight. You do it one week at a time. And I would love, love, love the opportunity to help you do just that. So Amanda, Liz, thank you so much for having me here. This has been a blast. I so appreciate you letting me just coach you in the moment. And I can't wait to work with you further. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thanks, Jenny. So nice to meet you finally. Likewise. You guys are the best. In the spirit of don't ask, don't get, I am here with an ask for you. I am booking speaking engagements for 2023. And whether you have a team of five people or an audience of 500, I am here to customize a topic and help get your audience the results they need. Many speakers insist on all sizzle and don't bring any steak. I am here to bring actionable takeaways and things that your team and your audience can start using immediately. Please head to theamandawagner.com for some of my core topics and fill out that contact form or find me on Instagram at theamandawagner. And if you need help with your social media platforms or the copy on your website, your blog, your newsletter, I can help. Visit my website, lizpittman.com or find me on Instagram at lizpittman. I feel like this episode was a reveal of Coach Jenny, and I had to prove that she was a real person, not just somebody that I talked about and referenced. She and our work together have been mentioned a ton on the podcast, and I hope that this episode took you behind the curtain to hear some of the magic straight from the source. I find that I always leave calls with Jenny feeling equal parts fired up for more and exhausted from all the ways that my brain has been stretched. And I can't think of a better feeling. Plus, I've got some commitments to take care of. Thank you for joining us for this episode. It is an absolute delight to be handpicking some excellent guests for you. And I can't wait to share more. 
We will be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. And until then, we will see you on the internet. Um, this was proof that my computer is out to kill there, me. The battery on that thing is not good. It's bad. It's really bad. So I've been fretting over, do I buy an iPad? Do I not? Can I use an iPad and not a laptop? For about four months. Most people around me want to murder me.